think uh, Warren took care of the preliminaries. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Uh, so I'd like to continue on the topic that uh, I touched upon last time uh, about uh, glamour. I, I come from, uh, you could say, my spiritual training. Uh, there was a point in my spiritual training where the term glamour had a specific meaning. But I don't think uh, it has the same meaning here. So that's why I try, I try to explain it. Because there's a particular phenomenon that happens in the spiritual, in all spiritual traditions, or you could say on the spiritual path, where you're aspiring for something, something that is, for the moment, transcend transcendental, something that you are not able to perceive with any uh, definite validity. But there is a sense somewhere within you that you're not completely have a grasp on that keeps telling you that yes, such this transcendental reality is real. So you keep pursuing it. And in the pursuit of it, uh, we may end up, and this is where I mean it's 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 something that comes from a from a from a starting point, from a sincere place. But we are we become so desperate for this transcendental reality that instead of opening ourselves to actually experience it, we start to make it up. We start to create this transcendental reality. And it gets to a point where in the beginning perhaps we had some sort of taste of what we might call transcendental reality. And we uh, take this taste to be an actual meal and we deep within us we know it wasn't a meal but it was so wonderful that we want to stay connected to that experience but it was a taste and what do we do we we start to in wanting to re-experience that so badly, we start to imagine, we start to hallucinate, we start to create this transcendental reality. Okay. And we create uh, philosophies to sort of uh, match this new delusion that we have. Now, we are trying to stay away from this delusion and then on top of it we create another delusion and the delusion is that we have uh, we have uh, arrived at a certainty of of an experience of the transcend of what we are what we started out looking for something transcendental okay uh, then we start to reinterpret events that happens. If your natural reaction to a particular event is, especially if it's painful, and since the nature of pain is that that thing that you don't want to experience and naturally of course how do we react how do we fulfill this not wanting to experience this pain then we superimpose upon this pain a reality that, that it that it is not we we 
throw on it the illusion or the delusion that this is the transcendental. Okay, and what happens with with this is some part of us still experiences the pain, and how do we uh, reconciliate this? There's the pain. And then there's the part of our mind that tells us, no, this is supposed to be uh, divine, sublime. And we can't deny the pain, the painful part. So we start to tell ourselves that, oh, there's something wrong with me. That's why I'm perceiving pain. That's why I'm experiencing pain. And somehow the spiritual path becomes... Um, become dysfunctional we are not really dealing with reality anymore we are dealing with our fantasies there is this sublime thing but I'm experiencing pain in relations to it there's something wrong with me And we start to look in the depth of our minds where did we go wrong that we are experiencing this pain. And of course, you're not going to find it. So you're going to, again, what you're going to do? You're going to create some sort of story as to how and why and what did you do to create this pain. The first noble truth was uh, announced, was pointed to by the one whom we call the omniscient one, the one who sees everything, the one, who's, as a, the one whom we trust has achieved that state we call the, having achieved the transcendental. But yet, who pointed to us perfectly clearly the state of suffering, the state of pain? Was he creating it for us? Was he, uh, at that moment, you were, all, you, were, you were in your paradise and all of a sudden this guy came in and, and then created pain for you? And now you're in, now, and at that moment you became, you, you find yourself in samsara? Pain is a reality and you have to deal with it. And how do you deal with it? And that's what, and that's why you took on the spiritual path. You are dealing with it. In the same way that the pain wasn't some illusion that, that you uh, made up and you're looking for some uh, delusional way of dealing with it. It was a reality that you're experiencing that you cannot deny and you're looking for an equally real way to deal with it. So that once it's gone, it's really gone. Not imagined to be gone. Okay. Just like uh, this may not this may not seem to uh, be connected, but somewhat somehow it's connected. Just like uh, the idea called the, the philosophical idea called. Uh, uh, Nihilism. Okay. You're not naturally, I mean, unless you're an exceptional case, but for the most part, you're not born a nihilist. You become a nihilist through trying to understand reality. And of course, you're trying to understand reality, and then you go wrong in your trying to understand it, and you end up being a nihilist. Dialist means you, 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 you came up with the wrong conclusion about the true nature of reality. Okay. So a lot of the things that we are, a lot of the dysfunction that we become prone to are actually signs that we are, we are on the path. And there are certain pain that you experience that only someone on the path can experience. Just like would you consider someone who sees someone suffering and that person is experiencing 
they are perceiving someone suffering and they're experiencing agony in their own being just by looking at that um, being who's, who's, uh, who's, who's suffering. And someone else who's looking at the same thing and describing the same thing that you're seeing and is not moved at all. Who would you say is more advanced spiritually? The one who's in not moved at all or the one who is in agony because that person is perceiving a being suffering? The one in agony. No? Hard to no. say. It depends. Hard to say. It depends. Well, uh, and yeah, it could depend. <laughs> but when I say the person is not moved at all, I mean the person is not moved at all. Not that they are, they are not. Uh, no, they are experiencing some sort of a, a transcendental equanimity. Okay. <laughs> I guess the term is that they wouldn't care less if it was, you know, a bone on on, uh, on the ground, or if it was that person uh, uh, in, in in pain in front of them. They would have the same reaction. Okay. So that's what I mean by that's what I mean by they're not moved. Okay. They're not in deep meditative equipoise. That's why they cannot see <laughs> relative reality. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that person is having a conversation. Oh, look at that uh, person in pain over there. What are you going to have for breakfast? What do you have for breakfast? You know, they, they, they're not moved at all, but they, they, they see someone suffering. Okay. All right. <laughs> you would say the person who is in agony is the one who's, uh, who's uh, more advanced spiritually, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so this kind of pain that this person experiences that person is a privilege for that person to be able to experience that. It comes from their spiritual progress. So when, when you are on the way, when you are on the path, there are certain pain that you experience. They're not necessarily due to because you did something wrong. Actually, it's the, op- the total opposite. It's because you did something right. Especially when it's... Uh, 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 when it's a pain that arises because of compassion, it's because you you have a, a, you care for what's going on. Okay, that's a sign of advancement. But it doesn't mean that it would appear to be. It, 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 it might appear because of our, uh, we're not yet. That person is not yet enlightened. We're not yet enlightened. It would appear to be that. Wait a minute. If I am on my way to Enlightenment. I'm experiencing this pain, which I don't own, supposedly. Then, when I get to enlightenment, that means I'm going to be in agony. I'm going to spend no enlightenment. Is like no. Oh no. Oh no. Please. <laughs> you can't open your eyes. You can't smell anything because you're going to see pain all over the place. Okay. And you won't be able to move. So there might be this this uh, this idea might come to your mind. And you might become afraid of enlightenment. Okay. And there are people who are sincerely compassionate people who are sincerely afraid of enlightenment because they think, if this is how, if this is what's on the on on the on the road there, then at the end, (laughs) what is it going to be like? Is it is it like uh, I become somehow indifferent to my own pain and then? I'm suffering. I'm cooking, and I'm, no, I'm 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 in agony, and then somehow I'm able to walk, but my mind is in pain. Or is it somehow I no longer feel pain? I don't I, I don't perceive pain anymore. Well, I don't, I don't want to. Let me not go there. <laughs> okay. All right. So. So this is just one example of. Experiences that happen while while you're on the path, which is actually a, a good sign, but it is unpleasant when it when it, when when you when you're experiencing it. Okay, and when these things are happening, you should rather rejoice that you're able to do this, this to to do this incredible thing. I mean, it's incredible. Look at here you are. You are all you you are talking about ice cream. You know something very pleasant, and then 
nothing happened to you. You didn't eat, you didn't, you didn't eat anything poisonous. You didn't have anything. And then you're looking at someone who's in pain and then you feel pain yourself. That's an incredible thing. That's an incredible phenomenon. You have somehow destroyed a particular barrier that separates you and the other. That allows you to know in your own being what's happening over there. That's an incredible thing. That's an incredible result that comes from making strong aspirations towards enlightenment. It comes from st very strong practices of deep compassion. Okay. So that's that example. And the other example I wanted to talk about is example as far as the view is concerned. Just like the, the person who became nihilist didn't, wasn't born that way. That person was someone who uh, was actually searching for truth. But because somehow their search wasn't thorough, there was some, something, ha something happened in their search that, that went wrong, in their sincere search that went wrong, maybe uh, either impatience, maybe uh, whatever it may have been, and then they draw the conclusion uh, 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 that we call uh, nihilistic. Okay. So in the same way, when we start to understand certain things, it's easy for us to uh, make ultimate conclusions right away, immediately. Okay. Because it seems uh, it's more comfortable that way when you have an ultimate in your mind, when you have some, when you have some ultimate thing that you can rest on. It's not comfortable at all to have absolutely nothing for you to rest on, for you to lean on. It's, it's excruciatingly painful. And that's why it, there's all these warnings in the uh, Perfection of Wisdom Sutras, don't teach this ultimate view to just anybody. You gotta prepare them. And uh, you, you read such things that when the person is uh, able to withstand the, the, the withstand uh, the, the pain that is involved with this realization, then that person is uh, progressing. Okay. So there's all this sort of warning about, because the mind wants something to lean on, it wants something to always be there. And if you remove anything for the mind to lean on, then the mind gets completely freaked out. Okay. So, in seeking the truth, in trying to get what we call the correct view of things, the habit of the mind looking for some sort of ultimate in some form creates one. And then we go, and it might be a good crutch because uh, you don't want to uh, uh, remove the found the f the found the foundation. No, remove the floor. There's an expression. Remove the floor from Pull something. The Pull the rug out from under someone. <laughs> okay. We don't want to do that because the person doesn't know how to levitate yet. You know. <laughs> person may fall, okay? So you don't want to pull out the rug from another person, you want to remove, you know, all of a sudden there's no floor, and the person does not, uh, is going to fall, okay? It's going to, especially if they have no expectation, they will, you know, only hurt themselves, okay? So, so it might be a good crutch, and that's what, that's what, uh, that, that's why you have this presentation of the truth in terms of the four schools, Okay, there's the lower school, there's the medium school, there's the higher school, there's the higher school. Okay, so you don't start teaching the person the higher school right away. First, they have to let them lean on the lower school for a little bit, and then once they, in their own investigation, find out wait a minute, this is not really the ultimate. Then you give them the second one, and then third one, and the fourth one. Well, four main divisions. Okay. And the, the, the highest one, 
you app your what you, what you're giving the person is you, you, you give them a wall it's it's like it's it's almost as if you're training the person to levitate almost <laughs> so you first give them something strong to stand on but it's not so strong so they can sort of get used to it and then you give them something less uh, substantial but still has a little bit of support so they start to be you know, they bounce you know and then they are able to uh, le- uh, stay on it like uh, you ever see that I don't know, you're probably too young. There was this television show way, 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 way back then. What was it called? Kung Fu? Was it Kung Fu? What's his name? Karen, Karen Den? Karen? David Carradine. David Carradine. That was his name? Kung Fu, was it? Kung Fu. They're too young, they're too young. they don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was a Western. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a Western. And, and, and he was uh, somebody who was trained in Shaolin Temple. So every once in a while, he has, he's having a flashback when he was learning oh. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a there were, uh, several trainings. There was there was a training where we're supposed to walk on rice paper without no without tearing the rice paper. Okay. So eventually, the last thing you give the person is like rice paper, and they're supposed to stay on it, walk on it without. Uh, uh, even leaving their footprint on it, okay? And <laughs> what's next? <laughs> you don't give the person a diamond floor to stand on. You give them absolutely nothing, okay? That's what the highest view is. You're given nothing to stand on. Now you understand why it's a bit scary? See yourself standing in the middle of empty space and there was this rice paper supporting you and all of a sudden the rice paper is gone and there's nothing left to support you not even a string okay I'm not bashing string theory or anything like that (laughs) okay Uh, so there's nothing okay so eventually what you have to be comfortable with is nothing you have to be comfortable with no foundation, no substantial foundation. And when you're getting close to that, then your mind will grasp onto something that is that seems to be like space, but it's not really space. But you become comfortable. You're more comfortable with something rather than absolutely nothing. And. And here's uh, where in the Mula Madhya Makkah Karika, where uh, Nagarjuna says, uh, you have to even not depend on the middle. <laughs> I mean, the whole, his whole, the reason that he existed was to present you with the middle, the middle way philosophy. And then he says, <laughs> Eventually, you have to not to even depend on the middle. Okay. So even so, before your mind starts making something out of nothing. <laughs> okay, you have nothing to stand on, and the the habit of the mind wants something, so it starts to make nothing into something. Uh, what do I mean exactly? end up being like a nihilist. Oh, there's really nothing. That's not what it means when Majamika, highest philosophy, takes away everything and leaves you with nothing. It doesn't mean that the nature of things is that there are nothing. That's not what it means. So, if it's not nothing, what could it be? What could it be? Wow. You got it, I see. I see you got it. <laughs> exactly that. Ma sam jeme shera parochin. The perfection of wisdom cannot be 
ma cannot be spoken of, cannot be described, cannot be je, cannot be even some, cannot be even conceptualized. So if some concept comes into your mind, you didn't get it. If nothing came to your mind, and you think you got it, you didn't get it. <laughs> and what's this got to do with glamour? Did I lose myself? <laughs> so in trying, to in trying to understand this, how eventually you have to learn to depend on nothing, And because of the habit of the, the mind, we want to rush into uh, creating an, uh, uh, a realization of having experienced nothing, when we are really looking at something that we are making into nothing. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, uh, if this was your crutch, sorry, I'm about to remove it. Okay. So, when you analyze, 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 look, 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 sincerely, and if you arrive at, ah, everything is just energy. That's what everything is. It's just energy. It's the energy that's, you know, manipulates and then transforms into something else. It's the energy that becomes the objects of the different senses. Ah, so that's the ultimate. Ultimate is energy. It seems to be right, but it's not. Energy is just like everything else that you are saying were just manifestation of energy. Did you get that? And I have, I have to say, I, have, I had to say it that way. What you're leaning on as being the the ultimate. Is nothing but you just it's like uh, picking anything in the room and saying okay this is the ultimate it's exactly the same thing I might as well say uh, this is the ultimate right here so I'm not gonna go to the other thing that you just ran into so okay now this is it <laughs> so I'm let you have let you hold on to that as your as your crutch but you keep working on it okay if it's among the things that participates or that is included in everyday experience, it cannot be the ultimate. How's that? Does that help? If while you're doing your search for, for the ultimate nature of reality and what your mind ends up with and for some reason seems not to be able to go beyond. And when you look at that thing that your mind is holding on to and saying this is supposed to be the ultimate, and you say, wait a minute, isn't this just one of those other things? <laughs> All right, let, let's, look, let's, let's, let's do the, uh, uh, like if you take everything, it's, it's uh, air, whether it is, what are the solid, liquid, uh, solid, liquid, what do you think? Gas. Gas. And what's the other one? Is that? Is it? Energy. Energy, okay. Space. Yeah, three, yeah three, states, three states of matter. I forget my uh, elementary. <laughs> solid, liquid, gas, right? Okay, that's it, all right, that's it, there's no more. It's, I'm mixing it with the... Uh, Five yeah, th yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay, <laughs> mixing schools. Oh boy. <laughs> so these things, these are the three states that we encounter uh, matter, right? They're either liquid or solid or gas. Okay. And then when you look at what is it that is common with all these? Oh, they're all composed of uh, atoms, right? The atoms that become air, atoms that become liquid, atoms that become, uh, what's the other one? I can yeah, forget. Yeah. Gas, okay. <laughs> so you say, ah, oh, that's the ultimate, atom. And then, unfortunately, somebody went and smashed the atom, 
and see that and see that the atom has is made up of other things. So if you keep keep smashing, keep smashing until you you, you come up with something. Okay, let's let's just stick with the electrons. Okay, electrons and whatever else, protons and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so let's just stay with it. Stay there, right? Now, if you say, ah, that's the ultimate nature of reality, electrons. Where did you find electron? Did you live here all together to find electron? You were here. So electron is already one of those things that's here. You get that? So when you say energy is the ultimate, it's the thing that becomes consciousness, it's this thing that becomes what conscious experiences, it's the thing that, uh, that exists in those different states of matter that we that I, not so, not, that I didn't do so well with. <laughs> and if you say that's it, then you, you, you're forgetting that this thing that you came up with is just one of those, happens to be one of those things that happens to be here also. So it cannot be the ultimate. I don't know, if, did that explanation make, help or did it make it worse? <laughs> Okay. No, it's, uh, it's like, uh, no, it's, no, no, never mind. <sighs> okay, now more serious tone. I'm going to uh, finish very soon. Why am I bringing up this thing about glamour? It's not just some abstract, uh, some abstract for you to take home and then you know decorate your mind with and put it on this side or that side. It is serious business. It is a serious obstacle, and only those who are on the path can experience it. Okay. Just like certain, uh, never mind, I keep giving the examples that don't really help. <laughs> we remember your in, the initial uh, start of your, of your search, what you were looking for. Remember that initial uh, impulse compulsion that push you towards that path. Whenever you encounter something and your mind wants to make it the ultimate. So just remind yourself who's on the path, why are you on the path? That will help you with this thing I'm calling glamour. Okay. If there are enlightened beings, they should be as real as anything that you experience as being real. If there are enlightened beings, they should be as real as your pain is real. Did you wake up one morning and say, let me see, I'd like to try that thing called pain today. And then you imagine it, oh look at pain, <laughs> oh yeah, that's pain. And you move on to something else. No, something that almost like, almost like intrudes in, in, in your realm, in the, whose, a, whose reality that you cannot deny, okay? So the transcendental is not an escape from pain. It is transcending it. Enlightened beings are not just imaginary entities. Okay? 
You can have dialogue with them the same way you have dialogue with any being. Mm. And it's because of that I'm looking for a good qualifier that will not send me to the hells. <laughs> it is because of... Okay. Supposedly, we are living in a degenerate time, and one of the marks of of this being degenerate times is like this incredible tool called tantra is available to almost everybody who just asks for it. It doesn't. Have, it, it's not such a thing where uh, you rarely hear about it. It's not such a thing where you uh, uh, in order for you to even come to know of it, you have to go through some already strenuous training. You can enter this thing called Tantra almost just by hearing about it. Just, I mean, just upon hearing about it. Oh, there's something called Tantra? Okay, initiate me. Okay. I got the prerequisite. I got the plane ticket, I made the altar reservation. So these are the prerequisites to get the Tantra. If I can fly over there, you know, I, I, I contact the, uh, the people who are organizing it, I give the, the, the what do they call it? Money. The money. <laughs> <laughs> I give the money, I give the entrance fee, and then so, so I, I have all the prerequisites already. Now I can go into Tantra. And then you hear, Tantra this uses that imagination a lot, you know. So, they, oh, that's the ultimate reality. Your imagination. Just imagine things. Okay. Just go around and imagine everybody's enlightened. Well, that's how they become enlightened. At that very moment, you imagine that they're enlightened. And what, but when your five senses are telling you something else, then you create glamour. There's something wrong with me. Why is this enlightened being yelling at me? Why is this enlightened being doing something that I know that I shouldn't be doing? There's something wrong with me. There's a war in, in over there, there's a war over here. Something's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. Okay. If you have no concern, if you have no if you don't care about that there's war over there and then you don't really care what happens over there, then there's nothing wrong with you. But if you have concern about what's going over there, if you really wanna feel that I wish I could do something to stop it. Something is very right with you. Okay? And then you don't want to just stop it by uh, putting a band-aid on it. You want to stop it in an ultimate way. Something is incredibly right with you. Okay? So right now, if you were unfortunate... <laughs> sorry, should, uh, should I... Actually, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> If you were... Mm, anybody here? <laughs> If you are fortunate to be in Tantra. <laughs> so part of the path is using your imagination. 
Okay, it's part of the path. Okay, it's not the ultimate result yet. Okay, so use your imagination so you can, in the same way that you know, you look at your hand and you say, Oh, my hand is there. Eventually, you will get to a point where you say, Ah, I am enlightened. And it will be as real as looking at your hands. Okay, it will not be something you just and you will not, it will not be just something else you're imagining. Okay. Okay, I really have to stop. <laughs> Do you understand glamour? Somewhat? How dangerous it is? It's dangerous because you just stop yourself from going further. That's why it's dangerous. And it's a vicious thing because you were on the path to something incredible. Okay? And now you've stopped. Um. Okay, that's, that's, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think Warren said he left the guru on top of your head. <laughs> All right, so that's, you shouldn't leave the guru outside. You might catch a call. <laughs> So let's bring the guru inside. Focus on the Guru above your head and try to get a substantial experience of the presence of the Guru above your head. Think of the Guru as not just another person but the actual medicine that cures your mind of delusion. the nutrition that nurtures your mind on the path. All those qualities and characteristics that you are aspiring after, focus and concentrate in one point. the aspiration to become inseparable with this point, gain strength, until the very strength, the very power of your aspiration 
causes the teacher above your head to become a point of light. Sometimes it is said to imagine it, the, the form shrinking into a tiny size. Whichever visualization works for you, then bring that to the crown of your head and see and feel it descending until it becomes, until it enters your heart center. And you can imagine your mind appearing in some form either a simple geometric shape or a syllable that you can identify with as being yourself. And that point of light, which is the teacher or the tiny size, becomes mixed with your identity. And let the experience of the two having merged, let that experience permeate, let it become the most important, the only significant experience for the present moment. No need to imagine it to be something. Whatever you're experiencing, that's what it is. Imagine yourself radiating not just light but those qualities taking the form of light and those rays of light they, sp- they go indiscriminately to every direction and also they can go to specific places you want them to go 
places and people for whom you have genuine concern for. Bring your attention back to the breath. Dedicate the merit of tonight to the achievement of your ultimate goal and towards those events, those things that you have concern for. the awareness of the breath, slowly become aware of the body again. It's uh, about nine, usual. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you.